Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right. Good morning, everybody. We have a special treat today. Um, Coach HP, multimedia reporter, public speaker, ex-baseball player. Um, You self-titled yourself as the biggest failure in the history of Miami sports. We'll talk about that. Uh, He's now dedicated his life to giving back and spreading positivity throughout the world, which that's what we're into. That's all we want to talk about usually. Uh, Welcome, Coach HP. What's going on? Amado Sr. I'm familiar <laughs> yeah. with Amado Jr., but this is the first time I get to meet Sr. What's going on, buddy? It's a pleasure to meet you. And yeah, for a backstory, my son Preston uh, works you know, alongside of you, helps uh, support some of the things that you do, uh, spend some time with you on these, these awesome uh, trips that you guys make that I'm jealous about. Uh, we'll, we'll talk <laughs> about that too. Uh, I appreciate you coming on this morning, this this early morning for me. Uh, we're ready to go. Now, are me and you the same age? Is that what's going on? Are you 41? No. I, you're you're younger. So I'm 40. How old am I? 40? 49. No, I think I'm 45. <laughs> what year were you born? 74. Okay. No, I'm 79. I was scared. I thought me and you were the same age. I was like, press, and I could be your dad, dude. <laughs> <laughs> No, I was twenty, I think, when when we had Preston. So, yeah, wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good thing to kind of to to go into. Uh, you know, I was young and uh, coaching baseball and watching him grow up throughout throughout uh, his life, mm-hmm. uh, and then seeing all these these other parents. And I've seen some crazy things um, mm-hmm. as far as coaching and, and parents. Could could you kind of uh, give us your backstory, and then we'll get into to, into that actually. The reason why I say I'm the biggest failure in the history of Miami baseball is because from, as you know, or I don't know if you know, I'm Cuban. When you're Cuban, you do three things ex- extremely well. You either box, play dominoes, or baseball. And at the age of three, my dad started teaching me baseball, but he never played it officially. So he never put on a uniform. He just played it in the streets of Cuba. But he learned a lot of it by watching it on TV and reading about it, but he never experienced that. So as 
we developed and I developed and I trained, I became the best almost by the 10,000 hour rule because all my dad did was obsessively obsess about baseball. We didn't go, we live in Miami, we went to Disney World one time in 1982 or 83. And it was just baseball 24-7. We didn't vacation, we didn't do anything. So my dad, our family structure, if you could picture this, was my dad's the manager. My mom's videotaping the games and my sister, my poor sister, my older sister, has to score keep the games. So the whole family revolved around my baseball. The mood of the family was my baseball. My dad being a blue collar guy worked for Pepsi Cola uh, as a merchandiser, stocking Pepsi cans and boxes for 30 years. He would get out at two o'clock and be at every single one of my sporting, of my baseball events. So he literally coached me to high school and became obsessed with baseball. And he trained me not like a baseball player, but like a boxer. So it was real aggressive. And where he messed up was nobody wanted me to win more than my dad. Where he messed up was he prepared me for everything else except to deal with him. So when I would fail, he couldn't understand that. And his rage and his anger got to him. And then he would result in hitting me versus even screens, which are horrible, it would have been better than, but when you're hitting a young kid with a closed fist, that's super intense. And that's the relationship, that's the fear-based relationship me and him had. And then in high school, when all our hard work was supposed to flourish, it, uh, it went the opposite, man. I had identity issues. I struggled big time. I wanted to be a home run hitter. I wanted to hit like Bryce Harper when I should have hit like Wade Boggs because that was my style. I was a big dude, but I'm a contact hitter. And it was a complete, complete disaster. So um, maybe this is a dumb question. So your relationship, if, if you were playing really good or well, your relationship was, was good with your dad? Dude, the house was like Christmas. I used to say when I was doing good, my house was like Christmas. Everybody's happy. When I would do bad, it was the worst. We're talking about he'd leave me in the field. I'd have to run home. In my, and I'm like 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And, and every, the humiliating part of us is that everybody's seen this. And Ryan, nobody stepped in. Everybody saw what my dad was doing. And now one person stepped in. So it built, in the positive side of it, it built a lot of adversity for me. And I always knew one day I would get out of that. What, what was his goal that to, for you to be a, a Major League Baseball player? Yeah, I, I think so. I think we worked at that for me to be a prospect when he didn't even know. The worst part about this is for a guy who was so invested in my baseball career, you would have thought that I would have had the best bat the best training that no, it was all everything through him. And a great story was out of high school, the Yankees take me to a tryout where they invite all the prospects in Tampa legends field. I was so underprepared for that. I must've ran like a seven, three against on a 60 against a six, four a guy named Kevin Brown, who was here at Miami, who smoked me. And then hitting, I had like this old wooden bat. It was just, it was absurd that you think that out of all the effort that we put into baseball, I would have had better tools, better everything. But he just, I just think he wanted to shine his way. And through his narcissistic personality, 
his peacocking of how good I was, I think that was his big thing. So how did you realize this? How did you realize that this wasn't the right way? Dude, I'm realizing this as, I, as I'm going on. I go, this can't be it. And then when I hit high school and I discovered freedom in a sense of, I went to a high school that had 5,000 kids. And the funny story is you see me talk at a school called Columbus High School, which was my dream high school. And I had scholarships to go everywhere because I was a pitcher. I'm lefty. I hit very well, but I threw very well. And my eighth grade year, my dad throws me 120 innings. And I completely lose my arm. Like, my arm is lost. But I had offers to go to every single top uh, private school in Miami. But my dad being hard-headed goes, no, no, he's going to go where his sister's going to go, a school that has 5,000 kids. And once I got there and I grew at testosterone hit, and I saw my awareness with what I had, and I started getting attention from girls and people and something I never focused on before, my whole attitude changed. And then it just became a revolting against my dad. And I never had anything to uh, anything to go anywhere or anything, anything to do or something like that, but just that was my thing. I'm gonna call time out for one second. I have to let this lady in. I'll be right back. Hold on. <laughs> no problem. So we're talking to Coach HP. Uh, if you haven't been on his, his Instagram there, um, also Facebook, his YouTube channel. You can take a, take a look at all his his interviews. And there's a good one on there you were talking about that I watched um, when you were speaking to the kids at that high school that you wanted to go to. So that's what we were just talking about. Yeah. Well, that, and the the irony of that is my high school. I I tried reaching out to him when I became Coach HP and. It didn't work out. That high school was my dream high school that their coach coached me one year. It's the best high school in Miami, the best part private school. It's where John Jay went, called Columbus High School. And they welcomed me in with open arms. So every part of my journey, Ryan, I feel that it has been God that has put me on this path to then share it with anybody that wants to listen to it. Whether it's Ryan, whether it's Preston, whether it's this person. Now, I got a lot to learn, but in my 41 years, I've done so much and I failed so much because I put myself out there consistently that that is the overall big picture of my journey. And, and I think it's important to, uh, and we can talk about it, uh, just because you have this vision and you want to be successful doesn't mean that you're successful you know, from the, from the get-go. And through all the all the way through, you just said you failed. You know how many times I failed, still fail. You right. Know, but, but you have to you have to get yourself up. So how did you go from, you know, you're playing you're all baseball, 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 and your dad's, um, you know, verbally or physically abusive, to where you're. You there. Oh, my man froze there. There you are. There you are. I, I was saying, how did you go from from the negativity, the the abuse, the physical and uh, mental abuse to today, where it's it's all about positivity? How do you how do you make that well, flip? 
I got lucky. I was born with a, for some weird reason, a man upstairs gave me a positive gene and I suffer from extreme positivity. And I put in my brain that I was going to do something different than everybody else. I went three years without playing baseball. I came back and I walked on to the, one of the top universities here, Division One, made that team. And then when my dad told me, because I wasn't playing, he goes, listen, if you don't go beat up the coach, I'm going to go beat him up. I said, I'm done. So I, I left in the middle of the, of the game. And, I, and I, that's the last time I played again. And I thought about what I was going to do. And then this idea hit me that, you know what, I'm going to start acting. And I started taking acting lessons. And then uh, Wilhelmina, the modeling company, brought mm -hmm. me on. And I started modeling in Miami, which was awesome. And they had an acting division. And Jennifer Lopez was casting for a TV show called South Beach with Vanessa Williams. And she put me on the show. I started acting. I got my SAG card through that. And then a kid who was a director put me on a movie called Faded in Los Angeles that got nominated for best movie. And I got nominated for best actor in the Santa Monica Film Festival. And I go, I'm going to act. Now, here's the interesting part. I didn't know anybody. Didn't know a single person. But I go, I, I got to get out of Miami. If I can get out of Miami, I'm going to win. So I got in a Toyota Corolla 2006, and I drove all the way to Los Angeles, and I slept in the Hollywood Hills for six months. Very similar to what's happening now with Corona with people, except there was no internet like this. There was no smartphone for me to be on YouTube and entertain myself. So all I had was my head and this vision of that. One day, I'm going to share with people how I got out of this and how I made it from living in my car, showering, shaving at the Equinox gym up in Sunset Plaza. And that became my motivation. And then I started acting. And then here's the interesting part. There's something called the Growlings. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Growlings before. Mm -hmm. Yep. So the Growlings was created, I get goosebumps, by a guy named Gary Austin. Wilhelmina in Los Angeles had given me a sheet that says, listen, you should, I recommend you train with this guy. This guy's sheet, I read his bio, and then under it said, when Gary Austin, when Helen Hunt won her Academy Award for As Good As It Gets. Ever remember that movie with Jack Nicholson, As Good As Absolutely. It Gets? Absolutely, yep. She thanked Gary Austin. So I was like, well, this guy has to know what he's talking about. Ryan, I go from my car, I budgeted for two classes from this guy because I had saved up money from coming out here from Miami. And as I'm sitting there and I walk into this guy's first class, he's wearing a retro Houston Astros jacket. And I go, oh, I got this guy. <laughs> and we sat there and I raised my hand and we and I gave him an analogy about acting. Now, he created the groundling, so he had discovered Phil Hartman, uh, Will Farrow, Lisa Kudrow, like just a powerhouse that I was. And I trained with him, I didn't have any money, so I would cut his grass, I would clean his dogs. I lived in the most dirtiest house you could find in North Hollywood, him, his wife, and his four Eskimo snow dogs. And I just slept in a corner. I asked him, I go, listen, I'll park my car in the driveway. He goes, he goes no, no, you gotta sleep inside, I'm not gonna allow you to do that. So I did that for two weeks in the driveway, then I moved inside. 
And I just became obsessed with learning of acting. He taught me, even though I had natural talent already, he taught me improvisational skills. We worked on stage presence because I did a one-man show. All these little tools that I would use now in 2020, I was practicing in 2006. It's amazing. So you had, no, you had no idea you'd be where you are today, other than your vision. Other maybe. than my vision of doing good, and I knew it was going to hit. And I was, as you could imagine, what I ran for, I leave Miami running away from baseball. I go to Los Angeles, and the only thing that's giving me love is baseball. So I become a celebrity baseball coach in the, in the Beverly Hills Little League. So I'm training, you name the celebrity, I'm training his kid. And I'm this... At the time, I had super long. I didn't have this good haircut like we have, but I had the super long hair. I trained everybody's kids. Uh, I I got so in demand that I would literally sit in a game and I would go from one dugout to the other dugout because I would switch sides as my kids would hit. I would switch sides. And I had a lot of very successful people want to invest in me. They're like, why don't we do a baseball thing? And I go, listen, I'm not a baseball guy. I don't want to be stuck in a cage. I want to be an actor. I came here to act. That's what I'm going to do. And Ryan, I tried that for six years. The only acting jobs I got was because I trained the producer, the director, the kids. I got on King of Queens because of that. I got on a show called Headcase because of that. And then that's it. And I, it's probably the biggest lesson I learned and the most frustrating part of my life because I became obsessed with making it in acting. And I became obsessed with making it through connections, through hookups, through this and that. And I had everybody push me and not one person gave me love. Like I'm talking about like, it would be like if Mike Trout puts me in front of the angels and Mike Trout goes, give this guy a shot. And they look at me and they just speak to me in German. And then I leave. That's how my act, that's how I could describe the whole thing. And I go, this is crazy. So then I did that for six years. And then I moved to a little town called Las Vegas. And that changed my whole perspective of my whole life. At 31. 31. 31. So let's let's go back before we we go forward on there because I want to go back to to the to the uh, sports and the baseball parents. Uh, like I said, I, I've I coached, um, and I was a I am a dad, so I did all those crazy dad things. I think I, I uh, Preston was I don't remember how old you were. 13, 14, you know, best player or one of the best players. Uh, we were on a travel team. So we, it was a Friday night. We went up. We played one of the, the worst teams. So we were winning like 16 nothing. He's pitching. No hitter. So what do I do? You know, 16 nothing. I could have took him out in, in the third or fourth inning. But you kept him in the game. I forget how many pitches he threw. Over 100 pitches. Yeah, because um, back then, was there this pitch count rule and all this stuff? Did you guys have that? No. Uh, well, he he was pitched him too many innings that night, and he wasn't allowed to pitch the next day or so. There was, was innings. A... Like when I played, it was ten innings a week. Yep. Then they changed it to pitches. But now we're dealing with um, showcase teams and travel teams, and and I'm talking about baseball, uh, but it's in soccer and basketball, right. I, I assume too. And you see some crazy parents. Um, you live that as as the the child. Could you just give some 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 feedback and some words to the parents out there? 
Oh man, the most important thing is the relationship between you and your kid. That's all that matters. You can't, the, the joy that I get seeing you with Preston do this journey and the fact that he's good at doing that and you guys can connect with that, that's what matters. Not that you have the number one podcast, not that the floor company crushes it, that's a bonus. But that you can look to your right and you got your son there and then you got the little one watching Preston and that family you're building there, that's what matters. But what happens is people, especially us men, that maybe see our kids as a second chance at what we didn't do good enough, we forget to understand that junior's journey and senior's journey are two completely different things. And one of the best interviews, I'm gonna have a post set up that I'm gonna do, was when Howard Stern interviewed Tom Brady, Tom Brady said, because Tom Brady was a big time baseball player, got drafted by the Expos, Tom Brady said, my dad never once forced me to play baseball. He would say, you wanna go catch some grounders? I would say yes, and that's it. And that relationship build off that. Number one mistake parents make, there's, oh, wait a minute. Look at Ryan's kid. Ryan's kid's good. You gotta be as good as Ryan's kid. And the amount of opportunities that the sport gives is way more than being a baseball player. We're talking about people that just, there's, there's a kid, I have a post coming up, there's a kid that I used to train that didn't like the thing, didn't like the sport, but the dad would tell me, no, he's really good at golf because the dad was a golfer, liked playing golf. I go, dude, why don't you put him in golf? What happens? The kid starts playing golf. I work with them on just his effort and attitude and how to dad to coach him because baseball is different than golf. And golf, you can literally walk to the hole with your kid. So it'd be like in baseball, if you could stand behind the umpire and talk to Preston while he's hitting, you could do that in golf. So there's a lot of pressure on the dad. This kid's one of the best golfers in the country at eight now. And he just did a trick shot during this Corona thing that went super viral. Everybody reposted it. Ricky Fowler, commenter, they sent him a bunch of Puma stuff, but we're forgetting that during our era, that didn't happen. So now there's so many opportunities. So parents are making the mistake of not finding that happy medium with the player you got. We're either bulldozing him and being super abusive, putting him down because he's not good enough, because we're paying for high-end tournaments and it's putting pressure on the process, or we're successful parents. They're like, no, my kid has to play the sport. And then we're babying them through the sport and spoiling them versus finding a happy medium. And there's nothing wrong if you love that's baseball again. If you love baseball, doesn't mean you have to be a major league baseball player. You could be, you could be, you know, Coach HP. You can be Preston, who, who's editing all these videos and getting to go to, uh, you know, the Gold Glove Award dinner. You can, you can still be part of. You there? He's a you know entrepreneur, motivational Dude, speaker. You froze the whole um, time. Definitely check out his YouTube page. There he is, right there. Oh, there you are. Okay, perfect, hey, coach. Perfect. When we go off like that, I'm just going to keep talking because Preston says well, sometimes we're still on. Um, Do it. We're just talking again about you know uh, 
I saw a lot of crazy things, a lot of crazy money being spent on um, on these tournaments. Uh, well, Preston's a good example. So we drove Preston, shoot, everywhere. West Virginia, Virginia, uh, everywhere to go to college. And he ended up going to college. You know, he could walk to college where his college right. went and, and ended right. up in a great position. Um, but parents are spending a ton of money taking this very seriously, do or die, whether they make it to college. And, um, you know, not everybody can go to college and play play sports. And that's that's not a failure. No, of course not. Of course not. I think to me, I keep it simple. When we were at the Gold Glove Awards, everybody that I interviewed, everybody that I talked to, fun, fun. Yesterday I did the post with Matt Olson, fun. Talk about having fun. The kid goes in the first round. He can't control this guy, 6'5", righty, hits lefty, signs in the first round with Oakland. But that's not all of us. So why are we trying to copy a formula that isn't made for the talent and the drive that the player has. Because I've always viewed it as the jockey and the horse. As coaches, as parents, as the figures, we're the jockey, but the player, the kid's a horse. And if you don't have a good horse, you could train them as best as you want, do all these things, but it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to Las Vegas. So you said you're, you're 31. What, what happened there? That brought us to Vegas, today. Vegas was the best. At Vegas, I I got a I got a job in a nightclub promoting. When you promote in a Las Vegas nightclub, your job is to bring in girls to the nightclub. So it was the first time that I ever in my career, because a a personal thing with me is I had always had because I got beat up so much as a kid, and my mom never left my dad. I almost think I had a weird relationship with the opposite sex, even though that I, I never gained any feelings or any friend or anything. I almost like it was a materialistic thing for me and I just kept going. So when I got to Vegas and now um, I dealt with my hair loss in Vegas, I got to Vegas, I shaved my head. I go, I'm not dealing with hair issues anymore. Shaved my head completely. I became honest. And as I needed to bring girls to the nightclub because that's how they paid us, I learned how to become friends with women. And I learned how to become really sociable and not worrying about, because I was always positive, but I was always trying to impress people. I had lied my whole Los Angeles years. I lied and told people I played with the Yankees only because I was hanging out with, because of my attitude and because of my little swag, I was able to hang out with Leonardo DiCaprio's house, a billionaire's house, you, you name it. And... I, instead of me being myself, I would lie. And as I look at it back now, I go, how cool would it have been if I'm here at these, at the time, Paris Hilton's house for Halloween and all these famous celebrities. And when they got to me, I go, no, man, I'm just a Cuban guy from Miami that's living in my car, that I'm here hustling, trying to make it. It would have been, I would have been the the star of the show because it would have been different. But in Las Vegas, I played it totally different and I started to do that. So I put on a suit and tie and it's the first time in my life, Ryan, that I felt that I was onto something and I and I was doing what I was meant to do. So I put on a suit and tie every single day, and that was my goal. And Hyde, which was in the center of the Bellagio, behind the fountains, 
was open every single day as a lounge and as a nightclub three days a week, Tuesday, Friday, and Saturday. So I grabbed my suit on the day of the nightclub, and I would start every single day. All the way at the end, Mandalay Bay, Luxor, Excalibur, New York, New York, Monte Carlo, Aria, Bellagio, Caesars Palace, Caesars Palace Forum Shops, back to Bellagio every day. Any group of girls that I saw, hey, you want to come to my nightclub tonight? Let's check it out. Me and a suit of tight to look official. Then I won over the whole Bellagio. I stole it from the two guys who were above me, who were my bosses. They just sent emails to people. Hey, just to let you know, I'm your new host because the nightclub was new. These guys have been around for forever. Everybody knew them. I went personally. I went old school style, and I and I approached them. I said, "How can I help you? Anything you need with your clients?" I made it very personable. I customized the nightclub experience, and everybody in Las Vegas, everybody in the world, wants a Las Vegas nightclub connection because they don't want to make the line. It's expensive. It's so. I became the guy of Vegas. So my goal was to go every single day for a year. Positive momentum took me to a year and a half. I couldn't stop. When my dad came to visit me, when my mom came to visit me, they saw that. And it's the first time I used to cry. I used to cry. I used to walk the Bellagio and cry with tears of joy. I was the first time in my life I finally found what I was supposed to do. And when my parents came, since I had never cashed in on all the giving that I would, so I would hook up everybody. So my personal friends became John George, Chef Julian Serrano, the biggest chefs in the world because they had the restaurants at the Bellagio. So they wanted to come to the nightclub after. And I would always hook them up for free, give them a table. And I sat there and I gave all my contacts and everything. And it's the first time I saw my dad proud of me. Because not only did he see me making a ton of money, but he saw like when he came, everybody respected me. Everybody, I, I first saw that people respected work. They didn't respect the talk and the swag. They respected blue collar working. Something that I had fought my whole life. If I would have been pressed in, I would have been, no, 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 dad, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna clean floors. Ooh, no, 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 no. And that's a mistake that people now make when they come from blue. Listen, cause when you're Trump's kid, you can do whatever you want. But when you're Hector J. Peñata's son, you can't have that luxury because my dad didn't leave me a single thing. So how did I earn? How do you earn your dream? How do you bring value to your dream when your dad's a nobody to your dream? You got to give effort. You got to give attitude. And you got to give what nobody wants to give. Time, cleaning, picking up. If I wanted to be the top, what you guys do? What is it? What, what do you guys do? What is it? Uh, what is it called? We do. We do epoxy floors. We do uh, residential and commercial. Paint. What's that job called? What's it? painting? Painting. Yep. Is that what it's called? Yes, sir. If I wanted to be the top residential painter in your era, I would come and I would go, and I would tell you, listen, I speak two languages. I don't know anything about painting, but I want to know. I want to come work for free. And I'm going to grab the thing to do whatever. Now, why is that advantage? You deal with guys that speak Spanish. Every construction person at some point, deals with, I'm going to be your, your liaison. And I start bringing value to you before I ask you for things. That's the key. I learned that in Las Vegas. Did that for four years. Crushed it. Became the most successful host 
in Las Vegas in a 10,000 square foot nightclub in a four year run. You can see, right. What you're just talking about. I, I call it, um, hustle or, or I can see it. So I went to do a job as it yesterday. Um, and we hired this young kid. I think he's 19 years old, never painted it in his life. Um, but that's not important. What's important is I watched this kid literally run. I mean, run from one end of the building to the next. He was just a step ahead of everybody. If we needed a broom, he had the broom already. If he had to sweep the floor, it was already swept. We had mm -hmm. to run out. He he took it upon himself to vacuum and move equipment. And that's what you're talking about. Not complaining that he's making, you know, whatever he's making, $10 an hour or, or whatever it is. Um, you know, starting from the bottom, I always say, to everybody, if you if you sweep the floors or you clean the toilets, it doesn't matter. Just make sure that they're the best swept floors. A thousand percent. Toilets. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. So how did you go? So now you're you successful. Money. So now I'm the, uh, successful. My let's put it like this. Do you know what theoretical play? I don't know if you're a gambler or not, but you know what theoretical play is? You ever heard no. of that term? So in Vegas, Jeff Bezos comes right now to Vegas, and he's worthless. Because the only thing they care about in Vegas, in the casino, is a word called theoretical play, which is your average hand. So the higher you bet times how long you sit in the table, that formula is called theoretical play. So the higher that is, the more valuable you are to the casino. Hmm. Okay? So I had the highest theoretical player in Las Vegas, a dude that was spending a game called roulette where the ball drops and a thing. This dude was averaging 330,000 a spin, a spin. Okay. And when you're spending that kind of money and I'm around that kind of money, then people tip you insane amount of money because you're around that kind of money. So Vegas put me in a whole different stratosphere of things. First time I flew in a private jet, Vegas. First time I went to Europe, VIP, because we're in the nightclub business. Everything. It did everything. After four years, something started talking in my head. I have to say it was God. The legend can't die in a Las Vegas nightclub. I'd accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish there. I was pretty much on cruise control. I didn't have to hustle anymore. I had so much repeat business. And Vegas in the nightclub business, you get paid on bottle sales. So you get 10, I got to a point where I got the highest pool, which is 10% commission off tables. And we're talking about table minimums go from 2000 up to 10,000, sometimes 15,000. You know what I'm saying? And when you have multiple tables a night and then guys are tipping you because you got them a good table and I'm a great salesman at, at selling the experience, which is an honest experience. And what I created for these people and the teammanship I had built in that nightclub, the nightclub business is the most competitive business in the world, because especially in Las Vegas, because at the time, the DJ started becoming really popular. So if Ryan comes with his buddies and, I, and we talk and I'm going to get you at high, but all of a sudden you hear that Calvin Harris is at Hakkasan and you meet a group of girls and they want to go see Calvin Harris, I lose you. I don't have I don't have a credit check with you. I don't have a deposit. It's done. That's how competitive it is. So you have to be a master at creating an experience. Bottom line. After four years of that, I go 
man, something's changed. And then I, I go, I got to do something different. The man upstairs put that out of the blue, my beautiful wife, who we went to high school with together, who I had seen her, but I had never spoken to her because she was so gorgeous and I had nothing going on that I go, there's no way I'm going to get this girl because my dad didn't let me do anything. I didn't have a car. <laughs> we reconnected through Facebook and she reached out to me and I threw her best friend's bachelorette party in Vegas. And she stayed in my head. She stayed in my head. And my destiny moved me back to Miami, place I did not want to come back to. I love the West Coast. I love Vegas. I love California. I go, what am I going to do now in Miami? The city that just gave me abuse. The city that I was, I was a clown here, man. And I, it hit me. I go, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do baseball. I'm going to start off with baseball, but I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to find a way to incorporate. I had no idea travel ball was crazy. I had no idea anything. I just said, I'm going to start doing that. I don't know what hit me. I had an epiphany or something, and that hit me. So I started to do that. Okay, hold on. Let me tell these people to be quiet. Hold on one second. Hold on. Yeah, no worries. So, again, we're talking to Coach HP. Uh, we're getting into um, what he actually is doing currently. Uh, it's an you know, amazing story with uh, baseball, his father, abusive verbally. Um, physically, uh, and then moved to Las Vegas, uh, became very financially successful. Um, and now we're heading to, right. uh, back to Miami. So we're in my, so I got a bunch of Cubans here that I don't know about this. Uh, <laughs> so we got to quiet them down a little bit, but I, so when this thing hit to me, I had no idea social media was, I saw in the nightclub, I started seeing Instagram become very popular only because I saw in the table all the girls were just on this app. They weren't, and I go, man, people don't talk to each other anymore, even at the nightclubs. And that's all the girls would do. Instagram, Instagram. And I saw the guys doing it. Then I'd walk around because I lived at the Aria Hotel. So I'd walk in the casino and I'd see everybody on this Instagram. I fought it. We had to have a social media requirement for uh, the nightclub. And I got so good, I said, I'm not doing that. I can only imagine how more successful I would have been had I jumped on social media. Because I was old school. I'm like, listen, I'm a word of mouth, eye to eye guy, old school. You build a relationship with me and that's good. I don't need social media. I started teaching baseball to little kids and I got into an academy working with T-ballers. Okay? T-ballers, so it was age two, three, four, five, six, seven. And when I got there, I go, I don't know what I'm doing here, but there's a reason for me to be here. I started training and I started talking to the parents and I started talking to the parents and that's how I started doing baseball. I grabbed a kid and then I started giving lessons. Still not using social, how I use it now, obviously. I would just kind of use it as I would show, let's say I was working with your, what's the name of your youngest son? Jackson. What a cool name. So I get Jackson and I would just post Jackson because I couldn't videotape me throwing a Jackson off a tee. I'll go, all right, Jackson, here we go. I would record it on my iPhone. Jackson would take a swing and then I would go good. And I put, and I just post that. And the reason I was posting it is because I knew other parents in the Academy would see it. And then everybody started reaching out to me. Oh, you work with young kids because nobody wants to deal with young kids because as you know, 
What's the number one thing you need when you work with young kids? Patience. Patience, bro. Which is the number one thing you need when you're an entrepreneur? Patience, which is the number one thing you need when you want to win when nobody knows who you are? Patience. So I have, God gave me the chip of positivity and patience. So I have enormous amount of patience. So I became as that guy. And then a very good friend of mine goes, dude, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to talk to the camera. You can't be doing this anymore. And I go, okay. And then I looked at the bigger picture and I go, I don't want to be a baseball. Like I like baseball, but I don't love with baseball. And I, there's more. I want to get into speaking because I want to speak. And that's what I feel God's telling me. And there's all these more things than just baseball. So I started looking at the YouTubers. Because I think a lot of mistake that the, or something is different, that the baseball people make is they just look at the baseball people. And they stay in that world. And I started looking at the YouTubers. And I started looking at Casey Neistat. And I started looking at Logan Paul. And then I get introduced to Gary Vee. And then I see what they're doing. And I go, all right, that's interesting. All right, so I'm going to grab a camera. And I started talking my truth. Hey, guys. And at the beginning, it was like this. Hey, guys, here's my story. And I said, biggest failure in the history of my baseball, identity issues. And that, I think, made me relatable, maybe more relatable. And then one day, through the process, it hit. What's up, everybody? It's your coach. Boom. And I go, I got it. And then anybody that I felt could help me, I would shoot them a DM. 90% of them would ignore me. Can I, can I help? Can, can, I see you're doing this. Can I go to New Jersey and see you do this? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. Then drove to see somebody else, get information. And the minute I saw, they saw how little thing, they wanted to charge me for everything. And I go, all right, don't worry. I'm going to figure this out, figure this out. And that's how this Coach HP movement started. And then I told, I told my wife, I go, the world needs to see me travel. I can't be here stagnant, which is hard to sell for a woman that just had a baby. And we're best friends and we're always together. And I go, listen, I got to travel. And at the beginning, you got to travel for free. Nobody knows who I am. I'm not going to pay anything. So that idea started getting planned and I became obsessed with traveling. And by going and documenting it myself, I didn't have anybody to help me out. And that's how this wave of Coach HP started with um, speaking to little leagues, with speaking to local little companies. And then, coincidentally, the man upstairs gave me a clientele. I have one of the most upscale clientels in Miami. And the first time I spoke, that I got paid, which I didn't even know I was getting paid, was in Fisher Island that I trained. The general contractor to build the most expensive zip code in the United States is called Fisher Island, little island there off South Beach. And I spoke to their whole team, and it's the first time I got paid. So all these little things, this momentum, is what now started to evolve into the social media Coach HP thing. So how did... How did New Balance and, and, and eventually, you know, Rawlings see you? They, they didn't. No, nobody saw me. Nobody saw anything except this one video. I did a video because I'd always started thinking ahead. I got I to gotta start doing bat reviews. I got to do bat. I got to do something different that isn't just because I never felt that I was like a guy that's like the hating guru or the this guru. I'd always felt that my thing was more mindset and more process and more helping because I saw parents buy equipment that they didn't need. Nobody was helping them. I saw an academy owner 
owner worried about money in his academy versus actually helping out his people. Saying, listen, you don't need to buy this bat. Buy this bat. You can buy this. There's options. Now, you want to buy the $500 bat? Great. But there's options right now. And, and I didn't see any worry about that. So I became the guy worried about Ryan with Jackson. And in that, I did a video. And that video, which was a video at the time in YouTube that I got in my most views, was a video about a Rawlings Prodigy bat. Orange bat with a death threat, death warning on it. That it could kill parents, kill players. It was, it was the best bat ever with pop like crazy. And I started pushing the bat, but I did a review on the bat. Through my speaking here, somebody reaches out to me to go speak in Dallas. I go to Dallas. I speak. It's, it's just, I mean, we could, it's just, it's just crazy about my career. I speak in something called the Dallas Scout Camp where they had 20 Division I people. This was my most viral video to date. Ryan, I speak before a guy named Rudy Jaramillo. You know who that is, Rudy Jaramillo? Mm -mm. Rudy Jaramillo is the greatest hitting coach probably in baseball history. So I know Rudy. Okay, I know Rudy. You probably know who he is. So yep. about 12 years back, I'm at FIU in a batting cage, and A-Rod had flown in Rudy to come work with him, Pudge Rodriguez, Raul Ibanez, a bunch of pro guys, and I actually spoke to Rudy there for a second. Little did I know that 12 years after, I'm speaking at an event and Rudy's speaking before me. And here's the irony of life. When Rudy is speaking in front of probably 200, 300 kids, Ryan, you must have thought that Daffy Duck was speaking there in front of his kids. They ignored him. They were on his beat, their beach phone. They were eating. They were messing around. Nobody knew who he was. And since he's a baseball guy, he didn't have the showmanship of a coach HP and an awareness to stop the show and be like, listen, guys, nobody's paying attention to what's going on. So this guy's giving gems of hitting, and I'm watching that. And I waited, and when it was my turn, I started off with my famous saying, which was, I'm about to do what you guys call a victory royale right now. And I just went hammer time on everybody there. I go, what are we doing? I go, if I would have had the greatest hitting coach of all time speaking in front of me, they would have to knock down this net. My knees would be bleeding of how close I'd be to listen to it. But instead, you guys are eating, you're listening to music, you're talking to your friends, your parents are worried about a, that if in a trial, you're going to run out of food. It's just crazy. Parents were focused. Then the kids got focused. That guy, then there became a real good relationship. That night, I worked with my big, 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 big bro, uh, buddy, Mr. Kevin Mitchell. If you've heard of him, probably through Preston. Great guy. He runs the league, the organization there at Grapevine. After that speech, I went at nighttime and I worked with his son, Matt, for free in a cage somewhere. In a mall. They had a mall converted into a into an indoor facility. And I worked with the kid and we built a bond. He brought me out to the ABCA. I had no idea what the ABCA was, which is the American Baseball Coach Association. He brings me out to that. I had the awareness to hire a guy to film me. So we're walking around. A kid reaches out to me from Pennsylvania called Preston Amato. And he goes to me, coach, I like what you're doing. I would love to meet up with you while you were there. I go, oh yeah, let's go. I meet him there. 
he's around me. I, it took me a little while to feel out the movement. And I go, everybody's going to the, the smaller brands that nobody knows. I'm a guy that I always attack big. So let me talk to the big people. And ironically, I had worked without knowing with Big Poppy's agent, Pedro Martinez's agent, Miguel Cabrera's agent, who was a Wilson guy, his kid. I had helped him with his kid. And he goes to me, listen, you got to speak to this guy, the CMO of Wilson. So I went to go speak to him. He was like, yeah, cool. There's Wilson with the big merger or whatever. But you know what? Let me go talk to Rollins. And they criticized Preston for being next to me. Why are you spending so much time to coach HP? I don't know what answer he gave, but I go, dude, stay next to me. And I spoke to the CMO, great guy, Mike Thompson, great dude. And I have this on video. And I said, listen, I want to tell you something. There's a back called the Rawlings Prodigy. And I told him my whole story. I go, you know what's missing with baseball? Passion. People don't have passion to help. They got passion to sell. They got passion to make money. They got passion to be frustrated coaches. But there's no passion to help people. This is what's missing. This is what I can do for you. And let me introduce you to Preston. Preston, blah, 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 blah. This is what he does. It might be different than what I do because I'm a personality, but here's the value in what he does. And I told him right there, we got numbers. Blah, blah, blah. Six months later, we got the, the Rawlings deal. Amazing. That's how I got Rawlings. And that's how I got New Balance because I saw New Balance there. Awesome guy named Matt. And build a relationship, build a relationship. And baseball is a little different than, than basketball and the other sports because it's more traditional. It's not as much apparel based like the other sports are. So everything of baseball is very traditional, more long term. And you got to have patience. And that started the thing with New Balance also. And, you know, this this translates over into other businesses, not just sports, because I've had the same conversation with, a, a, the well, one of the largest um, painting manufacturers in the United States. And, um, boy, they're stuck in 1970. Um, they they believe just putting up a picture of a, a painted bedroom is, is going to, you know, sell them more paint, and they're missing the whole. And you can't get upset at that, though. Because it's almost like talking to your parents to let you – I looked at it like when you want to talk to your parents to, to, to let you get a, a curfew a little later or to give you more freedom to hang out or to get a car, you got to prove it to them. Especially when you have an old school parent. You got, and a lot of kids are like they want – and a lot of people that see the success of this kind of get mad. I don't – what I do is like an example. I, I thought about this today before we spoke. I think you guys should be reviewing paints. I really think you do. I think you should sit there and go, listen, so when I started Amato and Son uh, five years ago, we used TikTok painting. Now we're using Instagram painting. But now what I notice is I'm mixing Instagram with Facebook painting and we're getting LinkedIn kind of painting. I think that for you guys is huge because as I talk, as I talked to Preston about it today, very few people in your industry are doing what you're doing. And everybody, I don't care, I don't care what it is. You have one of the few companies that even during coronavirus, you guys are working because people need paint on the floor. They need, they need that. Yep. And it goes old. It's people have different colors, different stuff. So what I would do if I were you guys is 
man, I would just have daily stories of, let me tell you what happened at the church on 52nd Street. The church on 52nd Street, the pastor, God bless his soul, wanted to have blah, 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 blah. I told him, Father, if I were you, I and those little stories, because everybody, you would, you'll become the, bro, you become like the Bob Villa. Of, <laughs> right? Yes. Of your world, because nobody's doing that. Yes, exactly. I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree. And you, you give yourself some credibility and, you know. Uh, and you have the credibility already. So it's not like you're some upstart. Even you have it. Exactly. So, so you guys have this deal with Rawlings and, um, you know, I see you at the gold glove dinner. I see you here. I see you interviewing all these, these awesome people. Um, Which all that was created like, and like a new company, right? I had to push heavily to tell Rawlings, look, give me a shot. Let me, let me go out there. Let me let me show people. Let me let me let me talk to players on a different way. Let me let me let me make this a little more exciting than hey. So how do you feel about your glove? How does it feel being here? How, like I just wanted to make it different. You know, if a, if a dude had cool, if Colton Wong had cool tattoos, I want to talk about his tattoos. Cody Bell, most gangster hitting stance of all time, which I felt it is. I want to talk about that. Nolan Arenado. When are we gonna bring back long hair, Nolan Arenado? Uh, his cousin had reached out to me to help him on Instagram and I didn't even know who his cousin was I didn't even know they were related just stories like that you know which were truthful Keith Hernandez my first ever Rawlings glove that I valued so much that I got in 1985 was a Rawlings Keith Hernandez glove with his signature in the middle that kind of stuff I wanted to share and finally convinced him to do it we went out there for free, okay. Again, for free. Here's here's the big, the first. I'm the first influencer Rawlings ever had for free because I want to bring value because I gotta show them. I gotta show them. And then Preston, come with me. Preston, come with me. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, you're not talkative like me, but there's stuff you can do. And then through there, I be a a lot of things about him till we see him there. And I learned, dude, this dude has his thing that it's a little hard for him to speak in public till he gets going. But he sees me, what a coincidence, a guy who talks to everybody, like if I'm, I'm talking to you now, like if I've known you my whole life. So that, I felt I'm helping him. And then he's helping me, recording me and stuff, except when he messed up the audio on day two of the, <laughs> and the best audio ever. We don't have it because he hit the thing by accident, but who cares? What matters is the story, and that's started that. And then every time I can, I go, Preston, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then he starts, and then he starts, and then let's go, and then let's go. Because I feel that I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And when God has put something in my head, it's for a reason. It's for a reason. So as we grew this Rawlings thing, and we pushed Bats, which we were originally brought in to push bats because I didn't know Rawlings had other bats than the Prodigy. So we started pushing the line and finding creative ways to get feedback from customers and share 
reviews of hip velocity, exit velocity, all these things, Rollins became super, super, super happy with what we were doing. And then this year, 2020, we had spring training we were supposed to do. We were supposed to do Omaha. We were supposed to do a ton of things that obviously got canceled. But you can't put these stuff for another day when you could do it today. That's huge. How did the uh, the Gary V visit come about? There was a guy, Andrew Goldberg, real cool dude, starts following me on social. He starts sending me comments, DMs. He goes, listen, I'm on a podcast in have a podcast. Would you like to be on my podcast? If you're ever in New York, I go, done. I reach out to New Balance and I go, listen, we got to create movement. We got to do something. Let me go. And look how it is. Look how much of a hoarder I am of content. I still haven't even released this video yet. I had Preston come out. We went to New Balance headquarters. We went to Boston. I thought, because my boy Preston had given me, he's like, oh, you can go from New York, Boston to New York, like an hour and a half, two hours or something. And it was, we looked at traffic, it was going to take us five hours to get there. So we went in the morning. We stayed at the most, this is what we should have videotaped. We, I, I got like this $20 Airbnb, which was the most ghetto thing, somewhere like in New York somewhere. And we couldn't park that beautiful company, a model truck anywhere because there was no place to fit that thing. So we stayed at some hotel there. We got up. And I went to, to Gary's office. Gary was in Denver. I had Rawlings make me a glove, a custom glove for Gary. And I sat there and I felt such a good vibe from Andrew, but I did not feel a good vibe around him. And I go, something's off here. And he wanted to do it in Gary's office. He'd only been there for eight months. And I noticed that they didn't have love for him doing it at Gary's office. I mean, it felt like he was invading their space, one of those things. So they didn't do it there. We did it at this cool. And I told him, listen, man, I could care less. I'll do this under a bridge. We did it at the Mike Tyson room, beautiful podcast. I told him what I felt, which was, listen, I think I'm two years early to be here with Gary. I don't want Gary to be here and go, hey, what's uh, cool, man? Hey, yeah, yeah. Give, give me three words and get out of my face. And I go, hold the glove. I did his podcast. We left. Gave him some love on social, whatever. He goes to me, you should reach out to Lou. This guy named Lou. I thought Lou was a cartoonist because of his profile, but he was a baseball guy. We start talking baseball. We start talking baseball. We start talking baseball. We start talking baseball. During the World Series, Astros versus Nationals, we're just talking baseball. I go, listen, I'm going to be in New York for the Gold Glove Awards. Are you a baseball person? He goes, I'm not, but my brother is big and my dad's even bigger. And coincidentally, even though he doesn't look it, loose part Dominican because his dad is Dominican. So I go, done. I was supposed to get there on Thursday. I think Preston got there Friday. I showed up a day earlier and got there Wednesday. Went to a park in New Jersey. Went with Lou, with his brother Pat, with old Lou. And we're working. I'm working with him. I have no idea who anybody is. I'm just helping him, et cetera, et cetera. We didn't get to hit. We had we went to have dinner. We just talked base, baseball the whole time. 
Pat Quintanelli had just played plays for USC League. Okay. I had no idea what any of these things were. I didn't even know New Jersey was that into baseball. I had no clue. Remember, we think everything here was in Miami. I had no, no idea. So I go and I go to the dad. I go, listen, I'm going to be here. But if if I can see your son hit, because I didn't get to see him hit, let me know. I'm going to work with him or I'll speak and et cetera. Drove back to New York. Friday, I get a text from his dad. I'm, I'm interviewing Ozzy Smith. And his dad goes, listen, if you could be, you could be Saturday at eight o'clock. Uh, you could be Saturday at eight o'clock here. Little Lou will pick you up and we're going to take you somewhere in New Jersey. And I got you to speak in front of a bunch of kids, a bunch of stuff, et cetera, et cetera. I go, done. Friday morning, got asked pressed and he's right there. We ended Friday morning at probably 3.30 in the morning. From interviewing people in the cold, coming back off the high that we had because we had done great at the Plaza Hotel. And we got in the car, we met little Lou, and we drove like two and a half hours, and we were out there for three hours for free, helping them out, speaking, doing content, work with the kids, work with Pat. And then after, Lou told me, listen, man, I don't know if you know this, but Gary's one of my best friends. And I'm going to get you, because of everything you've done, I'm going to get you 15, 20 minutes with Gary. And I told him, I go, listen, that's great. But unless you come with me, I don't want that. Because I don't want to have, again, uh, oh, what's up? Yeah, talk to this guy. Cool. We're going to leave. And I want to have that relationship with Gary. I want to have a relationship where I can see him and go, what's up, man? Cool. Whatever. And, and it, it matter. And he goes, done. And ironically, look how life works. We got it February 20th. We met with Gary. Couldn't have gotten any better. Couldn't have been more chaos in a eight minute span going around me at the time. And I was freestyling there and he got up and left and I, I thought I had limited time. But when he said, listen, he stopped everything. Me and you need to have dinner. Gotta sit down and have dinner. I go, done. The following day, Preston came with me. I go, come with me. I go, stay. Lou was real nice enough to say, have Preston stay at his house. We, we came and we got to see Gary. No camera, no nothing with his kids. The guy couldn't have been nice in, in his element, the sports car world. Couldn't have been nicer. Couldn't have been exactly what you see. Super patient with his kids. Super patient with everybody. And before he left, I was, it was in the works. Blake Sheldon, the, the MVP for the Rays, I reached out to him for him to go speak to the Rays in spring training. And I was going to meet him in Tampa because it's close to Miami. We were going to have dinner there and talk. And then coronavirus hits. So you led me into my question. Last two questions. I don't want to keep you on the phone all, the phone all day. Um, coronavirus hits. You guys had all these, these plans like, like we did. Everybody did. Right. Um, how how mentally do you, do you handle that? Because there, there, there's a new concept. I'm going to create the third one. My philosophy is three things. Only three things I can control forever. My, I'm famous for effort and attitude. But my third one, which I'm going to add now on your show, we're going to make a world reveal right now. Your show is expectations. 
expectations. So I go, all right, this barstool thing hits. I'm barstool. That's that's where I'm getting at. But this coronavirus thing hits. I got a pregnant wife of six months. I got a, I think a 17 month year old running around this place, getting crazy. I have two 90 year old grandparents on my wife's side that I'm living with here. That coronavirus, that's the target market. So you gotta keep them inside and all these things are happening. What do I do? Do I stand here and complain that all of what happened to me or do I show incredible resilience and see what comes into my head as I stuff happens, stuff happens. And what came out of this whole coronavirus thing for me was all of a sudden I became obsessed with barstool sports. And I don't know why, but it got into my head. And then I saw an interview with the CEO of her talking about how, bar, how Barstool is ahead of the game. And her talking about how Barstool is right now, while ESPN is doing classic games and reruns and reruns, Barstool is ahead of the curve and how she can manage trends and all this. Then I saw her on the corp with A-Rod. And I, was, and I became obsessed with what she was saying and stuff. And I go, all right. I was supposed to meet somebody at Barstool when I was in New York to see Gary. They sold me out, never heard from him. But this brought back to my head. I go, it's happening for a reason. I go, all right. I'm going to reach out to her. I reached out to her. She responded back. Last Monday, I interviewed Erica for probably 40 minutes. We talked. I have an amazing feeling because I asked her, she said, we're supposed to meet in New York, that I'm going to do something with Barstool. For me, as I spoke to, because I've done a lot of these podcasts, what, what I came out with was, what are you doing to bring value to your dreams, regardless what's happening? What are you doing? Because let's look at what we have. We got it. Like, remember, in Miami, we get hurricanes. Those are the disasters we get. When a hurricane comes and knocks down electricity, we got electricity. So that means we got internet. That means we can create. And that's what I started doing. I started taking calls, helping people, helping, 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 helping. That led to the Barstool thing. So you didn't look, this, this was not, obviously, other than, not other than, people getting sick and, unfortunately, people dying. Other than that, that's, that, that's now that's number one. But everything else to me is every time I've hit adversity in my life, my dad's beating the crap out of me. My, my, uh, I live in a car. I lose everything. I've always said to myself, the man upstairs has never let me down. Every single time that I'm pushed one way, greatness just happens the other way. That's how I view everything at all. Because right now, I'm at a point where I've done so much that I don't live for anything except to bring value to my dreams and then to help as many people as possible. Nice. Uh, last question. Um, wake up in the morning. What's the perfect day for, for Coach HP? I'm going to show you. Baby, bring her for a second. Bring her. I'm going to show you one of my... I'm going to show you one. Baby, come here for a second. Here's a perfect area. Come here. 
No, but come here. You're like that. I say, say hi to the Amados. Look, look, look at this face. Hold on. You see, you see that? So that's number one. That's a perfect morning right there. So that's number one. And they're going to bring on number two over here. And then it's just momentum, man. Momentum. Uh, how hard it is to create momentum. You know, here, let me show you. Watch it. I think you have boys with this. Hold on. She has a little bit of sunblock on. Say hi, <laughs> Senor Gordy. Hi. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So just the momentum, dude, of keeping it going while we're healthy. You know, it's like yesterday, uh, two days ago, I had to take my the grandfather to do start having a little bit of heart complications. He's 90-something years old. The guy doesn't want to stop because he's hustling. He wants to keep going. And he's, he's now in the hospital. That's a tough situation to be in, and especially now because you just drop them off. They don't even let they don't they don't allow visitors anymore because of the coronavirus thing. So how lucky are we, man? Look at this beautiful studio you have behind me. How awesome is that? Okay, I'm I'm recording the show with you. I got craziness going on here. I would die. I would love that studio, but that's not my truth. My truth is this that I'm dealing with here. I embrace what I got, and I control the three things: effort, attitude. And expectation and that's how i manage every single one of my days do i get let down absolutely i tell preston all the time i will listen so you know this famous person lied to me in my face this happened this happened this happened this happened because i would have died to have me talking to me at his age and you'll listen to me because it's not you and i understand the kids don't listen to the dads so i try to be listen bro trust me Boom, boom, boom. Does he listen to me? Just like you, 50-50. Sometimes he listens to me, sometimes he don't do, does whatever he wants. Cool. But I can't control that. I can only control my effort and attitude because I want him to win. I want you to win. I want everybody to win. I want everybody to try to be as happy as I am. And that's a win for me every single day, whether I'm speaking to you, Gary, Barstool, New Balance, ABC, ESP, whoever. My authenticity to control my effort, attitude, and now expectations is the only thing that matters. Awesome. I appreciate it. I mean, Dude, it, if I'm not the best guest in the Amato thing, I'm going <laughs> to boycott this podcast. I better be number one. <laughs> I better get called back for number two, number three. We got to make this an ongoing thing, dude. I'm going to stay here. I see you froze, but I'm going to stay here. Don't worry. Baseball. There he is. He's back there. Yeah. Uh, now, before we leave, hold on. What is there anything that I can help you with? Anything, any question for me? You know, I, I think a good question is not even just for me because um, I'm positive. I try to be positive. Uh, you know, when we're in a pandemic and this has been, I think, for us, one of our best times. Right, honestly, right. we've right. Uh, we've been able to look through everything that we do. Um I've always wanted to do virtual estimates and here they are. Now we have to do yep. virtual estimates. So everybody's open to them. Um, I guess a good question is how, how do you, how do you get your team to, to understand your vision and your dream and, and to, to go along with it when it might seem weird? Exactly. Number one, it's like a relationship, man. We, as we get older, we understand how to understand women. 
And you might look at it like, yeah, he's right. Us at 20, we were probably a disaster because we didn't understand communication. We don't understand empathy. We don't understand perspective. It's just, you just gotta grab your team and understand that even with Preston, Preston's dream is not to be in the paint business. So you have to approach him like that. Even though you've taken care of him, you, you, you've raised him, all these things, you gotta understand that he's not as passionate as you are. So that's number one. But if you find out what triggers him, then you find out what triggers the cement guy, the paint guy. You gotta be like the guy that spins plates. You gotta be like the pitcher that has a different rotation. You can't just throw fastballs all day long. So that's my advice to you. Talk, you have your philosophy. So when I train kids or when I talk to teams or businesses or companies, I got three things that I go with. Number one, I start with the discipline. I'm gonna start with the rules. And I started to ask myself, why is a guy so this? Why do the kids love me so much? And I'm the most disciplined coach there is because I don't scream. There's a saying in Spanish that goes, dogs that bark don't bite. So I don't scream. I don't put them down. I set the tone for what's going to happen. This is the discipline of this company right now. Boom, 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 boom. Like this. If you're going to take a break, you're going to report it to where we're going to report it. If you're going to buy something, you're going to have the receipt from me. If you're going to talk to a customer, I got to know what you tell them. If you're running late, I need to know because I got to cover the person. If I tell you I'm going to start your job on the 23rd and I can't do it, you got to tell me why so I could let the client know. All these little things get fixed with communications. And I'm never going to get frustrated because what can I control? My effort and my attitude and nobody is, I've taken this this zoo, this thing that we've done here, you to think I'm talking to the White House right now, how serious this is. But the people in my house, I could care less, right? And I understand that. So I have to maneuver everybody. I can't be like, guys, what are we doing? Because nobody's gonna listen to that anyway. So the team you build with, set the tone, then the love, positive reinforcement. When was the last time? Because we're not trained to do this. You go to Preston, dude, you're crushing it. Look at the scroller that it says down here. And I, I would die. I don't have any of it, bro. I don't have any of this stuff. This is awesome. Hey, man, I want to thank you, Preston, bro. You're awesome. And then, like I tell him to tell you, Dad, thank you for this. Thank you for that. Oh, you want to go completely and go do something else? Make sure you sign off with your dad and you end up in good terms. In good terms. Because Dude, he's already a man. You don't have to take care of him anymore. And I want him, I, vice versa, I want him to understand that what you're doing is special and the other way around. I want you to understand that what he's doing to you is special because this costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Having somebody, so just stuff like that with the team. And then I get you, I set the tone. I get you with the positive momentum, with the positivity. Bro, you're the best, Ryan. You're crushing it. You're the top. Now you love me because I'm giving you what nobody else is giving you. Because if there's one thing that human beings want, almost, almost more than money, is positive affirmation. No one goes, hey, Ryan, I just want to let you know, man, you're being a great dad. You're being a great husband. Very rare. Very rare because it's just a given. It's expected. Mm-hmm. So that's number two. And then comes the player development. Once I look how many steps I go before I start training you on how to do things, I set the tone, I give you love, 
and then comes the development. I learned that a little bit from, you know, the dog whisperer, Cesar Milan? Yep. The number one mistake people make with dogs is they automatically go to love and affection. No, 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 no. And that's why all the dogs are spoiled. They needed exercise. They needed a discipline. And then you give them reward with the love. See what I'm saying? So as long as you keep those patterns with your team and you communicate every Monday, every week, listen, guys, which look, I learned this. This is why winners win. The CEO of Barstool, she went from top at AOL, top at Microsoft, now Barstool. She goes during this pandemic, okay, met with the team. What are we going to do? Sent every influencer, every, so they have their personalities home with a microphone and with a camera. Go create content. So what do they do? Out of that, the, the president does an unboxing where people send them stuff, 50,000 views. Another guy, you know, those, those remember those metal football things, those metal football games in the eight in the nineties, eighties that you electronic. A dude did Big Cat does did a, a, a Kentucky mimic derby, where people actually bet on the horses. So all these creative things. But the leader said, "We're going to send you home because you can't be here together." Everybody's bought in, and then the, here's the execution. So that's it, dude. Those three things: discipline at the beginning. Communication, patience, then the verbal reward. Hey, man, that kid, hey, I saw what you did today. I like that, dude. Now, there's a saying that goes, new brooms always sweep good. So let's see after two months, after six months, how that, how good that broom is doing. But you start now. Hey, man, I like what you did. Don't mess that up. Boom. And then when you see somebody's not good, you cut them and you keep going. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Bro, I talk so much, dude. I could talk forever, man. That's why I'm a. Uh, that's why I love doing this. I can do this all day long. <laughs> I appreciate. I have like ten more questions. I'd even ask you. So another part two. No, let's get two. Give me two. No, give me two real quick. Go for it. You got two there. Let's do two. How do you deal with negativity and the trolls? I never. Uh, so oh, I'll give you a perfect example. My most viewed video by far on YouTube right now is how to break in a glove. A guy who played eight years in the Dodgers organization. His brother is playing now with the Marlins. This guy's one of the top baseball guys. He knows how to break in glove. There's people that comment on that YouTube, dude, he's killing the glove. He's turning it into a pancake. He's doing this, he's doing that. I answer everybody back because why? We win now with engagement. So somebody tells me something, my response, my man, thank you so much for the response. If that works for you, that's awesome. And I'm stopping. After that, we're not fighting. I'm not going to get into that sound because it's not my style. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get you to do anything. That's trolling there. I had friends of mine troll me when I started. What are you doing? You're walking around Miami and baseball fields with a camera on you. Are you crazy? What do you do? Who do you think you are? You don't know that much baseball. I ignored it because my goal was to help that one parent. It wasn't to impress anybody. That's why I've always said, and I told Preston, I could one day be at the Gold Glove Awards, and the following day I'll be at McDonald's selling cheeseburgers because I don't got to impress anybody. Now, 20-year-old Hector would have died. There was no way I'm going to do that. But now, not only am I going to do it, but I'm going to document it. And if that makes me a bad person, then so be it.
So that's the, how I deal with trolls is it doesn't matter. And then just like a lot of people say, when people say I'm the greatest thing in the history of the world because they reach out to me because their kid Googled how to commit suicide and they want my help, I don't take it as I'm the Messiah of everything. I just take it as I'm here to help. I had a parent call me two days ago crying. Dude, I got laid off from my job at Amazon like five months ago. I thought I was set for life. But when you told my son effort and attitude, I took it to me. And now he's working with one of the biggest companies and he's doing amazing. And he started crying, grown man, started crying on the phone, how thankful he was of the message. So that's it. That's it. That's how I control negativity. Would you have changed anything in your in your in my journey? life? I wish my dad wouldn't have beat me up so much because if he wouldn't have done that, then I then I would have been cooler. I, I would have had such a good relationship. I would change everything I would change about myself. I would change exterior stuff. I would change some trouble that I got into Los Angeles only because I was lazy on the process and I didn't wanna I didn't wanna take so long, so I rushed that. I wish I, another thing I wish I would have changed, even though I'm so happy I got married at 37. I would have approached my wife in high school. I would probably would have had nine kids already. And I would have been like how you are with Preston. I would have seen, I'd be here talking and I have my son here now, you know? So just stuff like that. But of my life in general, I, I, I wouldn't change a thing. Awesome. Man, I appreciate it. You got me. Dude, listen, anything you need at any time, at any moment, you reach out to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post all this stuff. I'll talk to Preston. I'll repost it. I'll tag you and whatever you need. I'm going to call you sometimes to figure out how to deal with Preston. Easy, dude. Easy. Little funny story. Did he tell you what happened at our in New York in the hotel? Did he tell you? I, I don't know. He's laughing. Here we I go. Don't, so he's laughing. No. So here, let's end with this. Talk about giving. So there's this app. What's the app, what's the app called, Preston? Tonight? Hotel Tonight. Oh, hotel hotel tonight. Hotel Tonight. It gets the hottest deals and all these hotels, whatever. Yeah. So I booked this hotel. Preston, oh, we'll book this one. But I didn't read the description. So after all this and all this stuff, we get beautiful hotel. One king-size bed for both of us. So we're staying together. And I go, listen, dude, you take the bed. I'm going to sleep on the floor. And this is what I want you to do. You promise me. You promise me. I don't want to hear the that when something like this happens, whether it's your little brother or somebody, you do the same. So that's how you do with Preston. You get him to do stuff. You show a lot of patience. But at the end of the day, the dude's a worker. The dude wants it. Might not have the same style that somebody else has, but he, he'll he get there. He has his own pace. You just got to be patient to guide him there. But he's an executor, and he'll get there. I would also like to know, this is my really last question. So anybody who knows me knows I'm a big Keith Hernandez fan. I'm a big baseball fan. I'm a big Gary V fan. And uh, if you look behind me, there's there's autographs and everything all over the place. Uh, he's had all these great opportunities. Um, wouldn't you think that he would come back with maybe a, an autograph for his dad? Yes, but here's the problem with that. I'm, I'm that joking. Me? I know the answer, but go ahead. <laughs> I'll take he could have, you could have, but the problem is with us, we're still, even though my profile's rising, we're still so new 
that it's almost like, oh, no, 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 this guy's a douche, this guy's a fan, like it's bothering them, you know? And there's time for that. Trust me. Give us this year coming up when we, if the, the, I think there's going to be a season when we do the 2020 Gold Glove Awards, we're going to make sure. We're going to put an extra ball there because they had a bunch of balls. We're going to put a ball. We're going to cut it for Preston's dad. And we're not going to tell anybody anything. We're going to slip that in. And we're going to get you a bunch of autographs, buddy. Don't I, worry. I told them all I wanted was one of the special posters that they were giving away to the players. <laughs> that, that was it. Yeah, yeah. And, and those posters, what they did with those posters is they auctioned those posters off. Nice. And they had everybody sign those posters, you know? But we'll work something out. Don't worry. We'll oh, I, I, no, I, I can imagine. I get, I'm not a baseball player or, or a celebrity, but I, I get so many stupid requests every day. I can just imagine. Right. You know, sign my ball for me. It's probably the no, and especially for him because the, the problem I have with Preston, honestly, is I want him to speak up more. You know, he stays quiet, and then when it's me and him in a room, I I try to do the best job I can to pump him up and whatever. But he has talents. He has stuff that 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 people can't do, and you can criticize a million things about this dude, but he build an audience, and that has merit. That has merit to have what he has on social. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. I know. So he has talent. We just got to have patience for him. That's it. Absolutely. Well, we're, uh, I'm going to get him on camera more. So you two together. You two. I mean, the guy went on camera, said his deepest secret ever, and then he disappeared on us. And I'm like, dude, you went way to 100. Just talk. Just talk. But he's doing good. He's doing the, the live zooms and stuff and stuff like that. And I think he's going to be doing a lot of good stuff too in the future. There you are. You there? Yep. I'm here now. All right, dude. Well, listen, you got to get my number. Anything you need, you reach out, brother. Cool. I appreciate it. We'll do volume two soon. You'll hit me up. We'll do that. You got it. I'll talk to you. All Thank right, you. Okay. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you're looking for social media content for your contracting business, painting contractors, carpenters, electricians, any type of contractor, please check us out on Instagram at Amato Media or check us out on LinkedIn. We can definitely help you all out. So have a great day.